a playlist original. Coming soon. 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 A playlist original. This is the Films at Home podcast, your source for everything home entertainment. Hey everyone, Jeff here from Films at Home. Thanks for coming back to the podcast today. Um, in today's episode, we have a pretty exciting guest. This guy worked at Fox Home Entertainment, 20th Century Fox, before they got acquired by Disney and after the acquisition for a little bit. He was a title manager for DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K releases. So we're talking to Adam Yeend. He spent the last 13 years or so in L.A. working in the film industry. He's done really cool things in film and as a title manager at 20th Century Fox and Disney. He worked on sets like Alien 4K, Ford versus Ferrari. He worked on the Predator set, Bohemian Rhapsody, um, Bad Times at the El Royale, Die Hard 4K. He worked on a ton of the Fox 4K titles. And so he has some really good insights into the, the world of Fox Home Entertainment and how that all came together with Disney and sort of what's going on in that space. Um, but he's also worked in uh, you know compression and authoring facilities as well. It's actually his current job is at one of LA's biggest authoring and compression facilities. And he's also a writer and a filmmaker. So he writes right now for Dark Horizons, another website. And he also writes A-Frame for the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, aka the Academy, the Academy Awards. Um, and he covers 4K releases for them in a new series. So we're going to talk to Adam today about all that stuff, all his experience. And I think you guys will really enjoy this. And he has some really cool insights into what might be floating around out there at Fox that's yet to be released at Disney what's going on with some of James Cameron's titles. Really great conversation. So it's a long one. So sit back and relax and enjoy this. And I'll talk to you guys at the end of the video. All right, guys, here with Adam Yeend uh, with our interview today. Adam, thanks for uh, thanks for coming out. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Awesome to have you here, considering your, your background. I've got a lot of questions and a lot to talk about. So uh, this should be a good one. Thanks, Jeff. Very excited. Thank you for having me. Hey, everyone. So I started, I told people in the introduction, you were, you've done a lot of stuff. First of all, I was blown away by the bio, the fact that you just like <laughs> casually mentioned, Hey, I sat next to Morgan Freeman for an entire Oscar ceremony, like unbelievable. Um, but you worked as the title manager at Fox for five years. So I guess, what does that, what does that mean? What is a yeah. title manager? Well, I didn't know either. Um, so, I mean, there were several of us. It wasn't just me. There was a, um, obviously Fox put out like a lot of content um, and uh, there were a multitude of us in this uh, tech ops division that liaised with the content and marketing department. And my role as a title manager in terms of how it pertained to physical was to essentially be like the, I think the middleman, I would call it, that, you know, does the... Um, Everything from, you know, uh, marketing and content will tell us that a title coming and we'll have a spec created and what's going to go on it. They will say, we're putting this director's commentary. It's going to, this is how long it is and blah, blah, blah. And we'll then take all of that information and reach out to multiple vendors, you know, to see who wants to do the compression and authoring, who's going to subtitle it, do menus, chapters, um, and uh, all that good stuff. And then, you know, budget it. And then we select our vendors and it's pretty much as a title manager, similar to like a project manager, you have like a schedule and then you are facilitating the creation of the disc by, you know, all the assets coming through and making sure that the compression and authoring house, which is usually one of two that we worked with, um, 
received uh, all the stuff they needed on time to be able to get us a check disc and get it through QC. And um, so there's a lot of like in between that, you're working on multiple titles at once that are in different mm-hmm. stages. I started out doing TV titles. So I think my first title was, I think, season four or five of Homeland, um, the Blu-ray set. And I was doing Empire and American Horror Story. Uh, before I moved to theatrical, doing theatrical titles. Um, so there's this continually like all these different moving parts and you have to keep track of them. And finally, uh, you end up hopefully on time with a check disc and, uh, you know, QC report and you start, you know, doing all that sort of going through the QC and what needs fixing and eventually get uh, Fox Media Services to burn a disc and then I will go there across the lot, meet with the marketing and content people and we'll go through the disc, make sure it's functionally working, you know, the menus work and we'll just all review it together. Um, and then after that, and it's been passed and all the QC issues are resolved, you ship it off to replication and um, hope then I'll go to the studio store in like three months and there the disc would be so, or target or wherever. Yeah. So, so it takes, so it would take that long that you'd, I mean, when would you start working on say the, Say a movie came out this weekend. When are you starting to work on the disc? Yeah, we're usually working on it. Well, we usually at the week or two before the theatrical. Um, we have like a, a kickoff call and, um, you know, then they would introduce his films coming out this week and they'd usually say, please go see it. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, although they had screenings on the lot every Friday of any new movie that we had coming out, you could have your lunch break and go see a movie at the Zanuck Theatre, which was... That's awesome. One of the perks of working at a studio that I loved. Um, I didn't know myself when I started working at Fox because it just was too much fun. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so um, probably yeah, about a week or two before theatrical. And um, usually we'd have a check disc while the, the film was still in its theatrical run, usually like about week three of theatrical or week four. Uh, we'd have a check disc in hand and really be starting to get down to the minor details and uh, doing a television set like Homeland or um, Family Guy was continually in progress as the season was airing. So it was, mm-hmm. they were much longer, not only as a multitude of discs per set, but, um, you know, we would only get, um, you know, we'd have to wait for that episode to air and then we'd get like our um, Pro HQ file, video file and audio. And then obviously the subtitling house could get to work on it, you know, doing German and French and all that sort of thing. So the, the TV titles lasted, took a long time. Um, but theatrical and then obviously catalog, um, I worked on, uh, Die Hard 4k, I think Die, Die Hard 4k and Red Sparrow were my first, uh, film titles that I worked on at Fox okay. and, um, subsequently, you know, worked with my boss on Deadpool 2 and, um, the Predator 4k, uh, trilogy set that we did. Uh, another colleague of mine did Alien 4k. Um, and yeah, but it was, it was fun. Back in the, uh. The good old days of Fox. So did you, <laughs> were you there for the, I can't, I can't remember the timeline. Were you there for the acquisition or did you get out before? No, no, I, I was there for all of it. And I even, uh, I worked for Disney for a period. All of us um, worked for Disney. Um, yeah. We were, you know, we were one of the last departments to be um, vetted. And um, and let me just say right now, like it's like the, it, anytime that there is a, um, a corporate takeover in any company or any industry, it's, it's, um, it's, it's challenging for, yeah. uh, for everyone. And, um, you know, I, I personally loved, um, love Fox because of the, um, diversity and genre content. That's really important to me that, uh, 
you know, we're not, I understand branded content. So, you know, Fox, we do our X-Men movies and our Ice Ages and that sort of thing. But there was so much um, original content and a multitude of genres, like, you know, your mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsodies and, um, you know, your Shape of Water and teen movies like Love, Simon and Hate You Give. I felt like they covered that canvas. Um, so uh, Disney it was kind of a head scratcher. Um, I mean, I was more upset at, I think, um, Murdoch for, turning it into like a yard sale kind of thing but um <laughs> you know I, I so I, I was we were there for it and um we uh worked 2019 um under uh disney and uh, there were a few minor changes but our fox workflow still essentially stayed the same um even though i think that the um the cover art was um was starting to take on the disney labeling with yeah. the banners and that sort of thing so but the discs themselves like um ford versus ferrari and um jojo rabbit um widow's hate you give all of those films in 2019 uh, followed the fox workflow and i think i actually did the very very last um fox fox home entertainment title which was a um kristen stewart underwater it was called underwater <laughs> it was an yeah. underwater horror movie and that was the last i think like true fox home Ent, um, um title that we got worked on and then obviously we got um folded in some of us got folded in some moved on and um the department was kind of you know disbanded but then COVID hit a uh, like a week later so we were all like didn't even get to say bye to each other it was very kind of anticlimactic um mm. this, we we're very close in our little fox angeles building we'd have like you know potlucks and a little social club and do fun stuff on the lot together so um but yeah i did and then at disney i was there for about six months and did a little bit of disney plus work and did um the 4k of home alone um which i was you know big um proponent for um trying to get the 4k catalog stuff out yeah no it's it it it's certainly not the same as it was before when it comes to physical media i think we all i I try not to be too tough because i know like these mergers are they're messy i've been on i've been on the other end in my corporate life where we've bought up companies at the company i was working at and you try to integrate everybody and not quite disney fox scale but um it's still it's 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 tough and I get they're still working through it, but it is, uh, it feels like that department, unfortunately, has kind of fizzled out now, as far as yeah. I can tell. Yeah, I think uh, one of my my manager, actually, he's still at um, Disney, and I think he's working on Disney Plus now. Um, I do know that the content team that I worked on at Fox, and I, you know, those guys were in, um, worked out of the, um, the Die Hard High Rise, which is behind the studio lot. Um, that was one of the things about Fox. There was so much iconic stuff around and like having mm. to walk over to the diehard building. I don't, I, I loved it. Um, but those guys, a lot of them are still there. And um, I know they, I just checked in with one of them and they worked on the um, 4k of death on the Nile, which is still essentially a Fox title. It was, I think right. that was the last 20th century Fox developed and greenlit movie. It was a sequel to murder on the Orient express. Um, everything we're getting post death on the Nile for sure. And some of the stuff before death on the Nile, cause it was held over for a long time. Um, is Disney Fox, but um, yeah, so they, you know, I thought they did a really good job with that disc and had really good Atmos. So, yeah, well, <laughs> that's you can tell when there's a. I, I don't want to go in on Disney, but there's a difference between what they put on some of their like premier titles when it comes to Atmos and stuff versus what maybe somebody who used to work at Fox has had a hand in. Like yeah, I mean, Home every- Alone was a good one too. 
Yeah, yeah. Everyone's got a different way of uh, of, of doing things. Um, so you know, when I did Home Alone, it was an interesting. It was interesting to kind of do essentially the same job, but through a different workflow, different software. Yeah. You know, all the Disney systems and that. But um, essentially, uh, I worked with a the same authoring house that I would work with at Fox because um, you know the studios. Um, you know, utilize the, you know similar vendors. You know, all of these different. You know, whether it's a subtitling house or a trailer house or um, a compression and authoring facility, they all have got. You know, they've got a Lionsgate account, a Universal account. You know, they're all working with the studios just to a different workflow. And um, yeah, Home Alone, um, it came together very easily. Um, but I, you know, the audio team with Disney was. You know, I worked with Fox um, Audio Services, so it was just different. They had different ways of doing stuff so um yeah. and i'm sure they've got different specs that they work to um and i'm not gonna say um yay or nay about how i'd prefer it um but uh it's um it, I, one thing i will say um is that there wasn't any um you know the, the, the guys that i work with at disney were really lovely and uh you know still cared about um what they were doing um they, you know, that they're working to a specific spec, and that's. And again, I was only there for six months, so I can't, um, you know, comment much beyond that. So, yeah, I mean, it feels. I used to be. I was real tough. I'm always real tough on them, but I felt like lately it's been. I feel like Disney develops the audio maybe to just a different spec for the average viewer. That's going to sound good potentially on a sound bar. Or you know an at, an Atmos system which isn't somebody with eleven speakers in their home theater, and and that's why the people who are reviewing it may have like oh okay this is a little bit subpar compared to others, but the masses are as far as I can tell enjoying what Disney's putting out in the Atmos on Disney Plus and things like that, which is probably not translating over like it should to a, a typical person's TV. You know, they sell TVs now and they say they have Atmos speakers in them. And it's like, well, that's, that's kind of ridiculous that a TV I didn't know Dolby that. Atmos. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, they say it's got, you know, Dolby it's got Audio. directional like, speakers right at the back. Some yeah, probably pointing, I mean, yeah, and it's all, it's yeah. virtual surround and all this stuff. And so, like, you know, I've thought, well, maybe they're developing it for that person because that really is the 99% of the 100 is is that yeah. type of person. And, and, you know, even like what I do for, for a living, um, you know, for a lot of my friends, even the, those that are in the business, not all, particularly, I think people that work in the production side, uh, but on the corporate side, um, you know, not everyone's a, a snob about the audio and the video. You know, they are just as, like you've talked about streaming a lot, they're just as, they're fine yeah. to stream. They don't, they don't get, um, you know, it's been interesting this week because I've done, had two articles published and one was for the Academy on the, the 4K UHD and someone was like, um, like, what is that? And it's like, <laughs> you know, like it, it's, it's interesting to me because like, I live in that world. It's what I've done for a job, but, um, the people, it's just, they, they don't, um, and I'd say probably a huge portion of the population has still got motion smoothing turned on their TV. Um, and yeah. they don't, and, and some of like, I, you know, they don't notice the difference. Even when I turn it off, um, they just don't. And same thing with the audio. So I think if you have the setup, it's great that it's there i think that it should be available because most of the you know new theatrical films do get an atmos mix um yeah but obviously you know it's a case-by-case basis and it depends on the studio and again different studios have got different agendas and how they work and what their priorities are and disney's interesting because it's not just a studio you know it's um it's very much a um focused on its theme parks and travel and about an experience of a brand and uh, all of their, you know, 
films of late kind of tie into that. And um, that's fine. Uh, yeah. That's, you know, that's them. And it's different to Sony. It's different to Paramount and was different to Fox. So, yeah, which is why I've, uh, I've tried to go a little easier on them. They just have a different, it's a different, it was a different business model. They're, I mean, they're not just a media company. It's a, it's a conglomerate. It's merchandise. It's theme parks. It's, you know, selling toys. It's, that's what they do. So then I think, okay, yeah, it makes perfect, perfect sense. You'd want to pick up Star Wars and Marvel because who's selling more toys than the two of them, right? I mean, it's, it's a perfect tie in to Disney versus, a Fox or a Sony who doesn't have those capabilities to really push the brands further. So if I'm star Wars, yeah, I'd sell the Disney too. Like, yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It was interesting with star Wars because, um, there was kind of this weird block because of, uh, the, the deal that Fox had with star Wars. Um, the mm. very first one, episode four was greenlit by Fox. I think, um, yeah. In your, was it Alan Ladd? I think it was. Um, and, uh, it was a Fox owned the distribution rights for that, whereas the subsequent films, Lucasfilm did. So when I started working at Fox, I was going to the studio store and there was, you know, some Star Wars merch, but it was all pertaining to Episode Four: A New Hope. It had to be, yeah. you know, they'd they'd scrapped off everything else that like pertained to anything else, but they still could have like a Darth Vader or you know that that just from that film with the, in the studio store, which was kind of fun. Um, then until. Disney really till Disney bought the studio, then everything changed in terms of that store. Um, but uh, yeah, that was always interesting to me. Just that again, like the the rights is just it's it's a mess sometimes. Yeah, and that that was always. I haven't been to Disney in a long time, but we went a lot when I was a kid to Florida, the Florida Disney World. Is it Florida's Disney World? California's yeah, is, yeah. Disneyland. That's correct. Um, yeah. So we went to Disney World, and I'd be like, they have like the MGM Studios, and I think about the movies that were there, and now I think, and I go like, those weren't, M- like I don't, I don't get it. Those weren't MGM movies. Yeah. Well, it's even <laughs> it's happening now, like because Universal Studios here has got Harry Potter Land, which is a Warner Brothers right. um, property, <laughs> so, and you know so Avatar confusing. Land. Avatar Land was in Florida um, before. Yeah. um fox before the whole fox thing and it's it's like it's like a streaming platform it's like wh- why is this sony movie on <laughs> hbo max and i've written about this before it's like yeah, like i just want to watch star trek 6 but it's on amazon it's not on paramount plus it's like why have you only got five of the star trek movies and it's uh it's the same thing i mean it's just they they'll sign the rights off and um you know growing up in australia as well like it was very very different um you know to sometime when i moved here and would go back and look at a, a movie it's like a totally different studio at the start of it, you know, and mm. I'm just like, I'm used to this logo. It's just, you know, <laughs> right. It's all, it's it, crazy. Is, it is confusing out there. And there's so many, as I've started to look more into it, cause I'm like, well, why hasn't this movie come out? And it's like, well, issues. Why hasn't this movie, this series, like a Friday the 13th was such a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, like oh, Star God. Trek gets messy. Like yeah. they all get messy nightmare on Elm street. I don't know if that gets messy. It still hasn't come out. Um, but there's so many like that where it's like, yeah, you, you get parts two, three, four, we have part one, you get six and seven and like try to get three media conglomerates in a room to sign off on something. And that's why you don't get box sets. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's horrible. It's, it's, it's nuts. I mean, uh, for me, heat growing up was a, it was a Warner film, a Warner brothers film. And right. uh, here it's, and when, ever since I worked at Fox, they celebrated that film. Like Fox was always, you know, would do screenings, you know, uh, Fox movie night, um, usually once a month and they'd screen some old 70 miller film print of abyss or, um, uh, or a new restoration or something that like they would, you know, I'm like, oh, I had no idea that was Fox. And when I was at, uh, 
Fox, we did do um, a 4K of Braveheart, um, but just for international because Paramount has the domestic rights for Braveheart. So we were working with the Paramount team that already released it here, but, you know, so they had control over a lot of the primary assets and then we had all the foreign assets. And same thing with Titanic. Um, that is a um, Paramount film here domestically, but I grew up with that with the Fox logo at the start of it, um, not the Paramount. Mm-hmm. So it's a Fox film. So, you know, they've got a lot of the, 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 the benches from the Titanic set from the actual ship are kind of all scattered around the Fox lot with a little plaque <laughs> on it, you know, in terms really? of who, you know, yeah. So, um, wow. yeah. It is a, it's a crazy, yeah. And then the, I'm not even thinking international I, that, that gets wild too. And, and I've been picking up like a lot of the, uh, imprint stuff and I've gotten into umbrella entertainment and you're right. Sometimes I'll be like, this doesn't seem right. This is a different <laughs> studio yeah. behind this. Yeah. And even just the packaging artwork, because of that's different, you know, we had a yeah. whole separate company growing up for VHS, um, which just, you know, covered Paramount and Universal titles, um, but they never worked with America. So our, our cover art and our, you know, layouts and that would be dissimilar to the UK and um, whatever outside of America. And it wasn't until the internet came around or, I'd see like, you know, movie magazines when I go to Sydney and just look at it, I'd see the advertisement for the American release. I'm like, oh, that's what their poster looks like. You know, <laughs> just, just, <laughs> yeah. it's different. So, yeah. Well, you, you mentioned you were writing some for the Academy. That's a new sort of venture. So what, I guess, what are they up to? What are they up to over there? They're kind of promoting 4K restorations and film restorations? Well, well yeah. I mean, they're interested in, um, you know, obviously celebrating all things film uh, yeah. and, uh a few people that I work with at Fox uh, work over there now. And I have been, been writing, you know, for a few years now and, mm-hmm. um, and did a piece on physical media last year, which a lot of people read. And uh, I, I felt like working with, with, with them, where I've got this new Academy museum here in LA, which if anyone comes to LA, you, you oh, have to check it out. Um, I need to. It's, 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 uh, it's incredible. Um, and I, you know, I looked at their, their site and I just thought, well, they are continually celebrating, all things film and they're doing retrospectives and it's anniversary of this. And so I um, just, you know, pitched to their editor and said, look, you know, there's all these film restorations. It's kind of a whole like separate industry in that, but they do release them to the public. You obviously can buy it on digital, but you know, boutique labels put these movies out and I kind of just gave her a rundown and she's like, yeah, let's just do, you know, cover, you know, let's, she, you know, we go over the schedule and she'll, we'll work together on what we think we should put. And I've only done one so far in, um, for June. And um, mm-hmm. it's just, I, I think because I've realized working in this business that so many people still, um, you know, especially here, they, even though I said some that don't even, aren't aware of it, but there's a big proponent for these restorations and for watching um, an older movie in the best possible quality. And um, the Academy's also been screening some films too. That's kind of what put me onto it. When I looked at the Academy Museum schedule, they had a, a film, um, Mississippi Marsala, and it was a new 4K restoration. And that was when I reached out and said, hey, you guys are screening these restorations. You know, they're available to the public. We should cover them. You know, it's like they do a, you know, summer movie guide, like what's coming out this summer. And so it's like, well, why don't you do what's coming out in terms of older stuff? So, yeah. No, I love it. It should, it should help get people interested and aware because you're right. It is a, uh it's an awareness problem when I, I mean, maybe it's different in LA and people are more just aware of the goings on, but like over here, East coast, I mean, maybe in New York city where there's a couple, there's like an A24 and HBO has got a a setup there. I think like maybe there's some awareness in and around that world, but God, I walk around and it's like, 
nobody, I mean, nobody knows what I'm talking about. I try to explain, Hey, like, they're like, you have a YouTube channel. Wow. How many, you have almost a hundred thousand. What are you, what are you doing? And I'm like, Oh boy, like you're not going to get it. I'm going to try to explain to you and you're going to go, Oh, so like a DVD. And I'll just be like, yeah, yeah. Just yes. Like a DVD. Yeah. Like, th- there's no awareness of it at all. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I have managed to convert a few people. There's a few of my, you know, friends that are in the industry, a, a good mate of mine that we produce a lot of content with, like he's a huge cinephile and he makes a living as an editor now editing um, Netflix shows and Warner Brothers shows and that. But he, um, you know, I gave him a little bit of a demo at, at my house and then um, mm. lo and behold, uh, you know, like he's got like, you know, oh, you've got, you've got uh, Predator 4K and you've got this, and you, you know, he's got this little collection now of discs and he, um, and he's you've got a projector and, and another friend of mine as well. It's a huge, huge nerd, and he's he's a, definitely a child of the '80s. But we have a lot of similar similar tastes, uh, and uh, he as well. You know, I he came over to my place and I would watch something. This is great! It sounds amazing. I've never seen it look like. I don't remember what it was, but then subsequently yeah. as well, he's got like about you know I think twenty movies now. But he 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 had a huge collection got rid of it, went digital, and now he's gone back and he's bought like a few of his favorite titles in 4K. So, Which I think I think is great. Like that's the thing I, I tell everybody. There's no need to buy as many as I buy. Um, just, you know, just grab your favorites. But really like if you, if most people walked into like one of those 70 millimeter screenings or like even, even just a, a 35 millimeter screening somewhere, I mean, you're going to be blown away by how that movie looks compared to how you're used to seeing it and to, be able to take that home. Like mm-hmm. that's, I don't think people will realize like you can actually, this is as close as you can get right now. You can take that home and watch it in your living room, that high quality. And that, that does blow people away, but you have to show them like you literally have to put it in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. My, my in-laws were over a couple of years back and um, it was a really hot day here and needed some downtime and, um, just put on Ford versus Ferrari. And our living room is actually great for like, it's got, um, kind of a, for between the roof and, uh, the walls it kind of curves. So it's just like, it, 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 it just sounds great in there. But like my, my mother-in-law just was like, when Ford versus Ferrari started, like it's just, <laughs> and with that, you know, and she's, you know, subsequently again, they got a new TV and should we get a player? Should we get surround? You know, they like texting me and, yeah. um, you know, I mean, I did like a, a more of a budgeted setup for them, but it's definitely, um, it's cool, you know. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think people are starting to realize that you know you can you can experience these movies. It's it's how you it's I think it's how you consume it. And I think we get we've got bad habits. We've all got two now because of these cell phones and um, yeah. <laughs> everything. And uh, you know, I've noticed even friends of mine that we used to do movie night and that they're still like checking their their phone every two minutes, and they never used to do that. But it's like. Um, you know, I think that having that kind of setup, it's kind of hard to ignore <laughs> when it looks and yeah. sounds that good. So, uh, but again, so many people again will just watch something on their phone, um, and I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, I think who's who, uh, who's the director that hates that? Um, I think every director. Hates I mean, they that. all I mean, do. Like One it, of them it, was it Scorsese? Someone's been super vocal about like, if you watch my movie on a phone, like I'll punch you in the face. Like, don't do that. It's an insult to me. Um, yeah. Well, I so. love Tom Cruise's PSA about the motion smoothing um, that was on yeah. Twitter. That, that video was great. I mean, people are starting to become aware, um, but I don't like, I think all of your guests have said on here and that, but it is, you know, very much like a niche market, yeah. but it's when you kind of have people over to experience it. Or if you host a movie night, 
that's kind of when I've people have really kind of gone, oh, this is cool, you know, like it's, um, yeah. you know, and even if it's something they've seen a hundred times that you can tell, like they can see the difference um, when it's an older movie they might have grown up with, like Back to the Future or something, and they can just see that extra detail. Um, it just plays differently. Um, so yeah, well, that that's always been my goal is I don't expect I've converted a few people to. I've got my brother into it because he got like a, a PS5 and now he's buying 4K discs and stuff. And I'm like, well, good. good for, I gave him my old 4K TV. I, you know, I've converted people, but I've also always just wanted to be that person that had the setup too. So like when the kids get older and they're like, I want to watch the latest Star Wars movie. And I'm like, all right, here, call call five of your friends. Let's do this. Let's, <laughs> yes. let's put it up on the 120 inch projector screen and like blow them away yeah um, and just have that have that space because it's i, I don't know I, I knew a couple people with that growing up and i was always so jealous now i'm trying to create it for myself yeah me too me too i had like a i had an uncle that had a whole like betamax vhs movie collection it was like cabinets just full of movies and he just buy everything and he had like all the he had like you know all the donald duck shorts that he'd buy disney mm. released so much back then on home video and that's kind of what got got the bug in me and you know my parents you know weren't really uh, into it it was like it took a while for them to they're like why are you why are you buying that why why do you want like using your pocket money to, to buy i'm like yeah I, I want these these vhs tapes it was just for them they're just like what um so you know it's um it's been there for a while well, hey, now those VHS tapes are selling for like $50,000 or something. Insane. I know. I, I gave so many away. I have like some, I do have, um, I think I've got about 20 VHS tapes I kept um, just because they were in such good condition and the artwork on them and the covers were in just, you know, and some of them are obscure titles that are his personal favorites. Others, I'd be interested to see, like I've not seen them on eBay or anything like like Fox had international rights to the um, Ninja Turtle movies and mm -hmm. so that completely different art. And um, so I have those and a few others. And I also collected um, VHS of, um, I was, you know, a Trek fan in the nineties, but that you'd deep space nine would come out two episodes on VHS tape a month. And um, because that show was on at like 11 PM, when I was growing up, I wasn't allowed to stay up and watch it. I just buy the tapes, but that artwork, um, I don't know who the artist was. I used to, but I'm getting old and I've forgotten, but, um, <laughs> the artwork was like hand drawn. It was almost like star Wars esque, like original star Wars movie art or like, yeah. And hand drawn and each cover had like a different face of one of the characters. And it was just, it was such so I, like, I don't know, like it was the artwork that actually got me to watch that damn show. <laughs> That's what, like, <laughs> And uh, when I was at the video store, I'm like, that looks cool. Like, what? Oh, Star Trek. Yeah. I don't know. Like, and that's what did it. It was actually that artwork on that VHS tape. So it is important, though. It's still, that still gets me today. If I'm, I mean, now we're browsing the, the digital shelves, but like, I'm scrolling through. I know it sucks. Well, I still have, I still have my local video store. I can, I can hit up at least in my area that we, we talked to on the podcast, Bull Moose, which has been, great and yeah listen to that episode yeah i'll, yeah, I mean, they're I'll awesome. check out bull moose yeah we have amoeba here and a few other random boutique stores but i was here when blockbuster was still here i'd moved to la but it's um yeah it, it's it's definitely gone um you know <laughs> but i missed that because i i used to do the same thing and i still do the same thing now it's like it could be the most obscure movie but like if arrow or shout factory or you know criterion or whoever if they put out something and i look at it and i go damn that's kind of cool like you're going to sucker me into probably buying it just because I thought it looked cool. And then we'll see yeah. how the movie actually is. But yeah, it, it's, it's hundred percent true. Um, they also had less to work with then. So you had to put in more effort, you know, now, um, yeah. 
everything's competing for our attention. And, you know, we have all these streaming platforms, we have these devices, and it's like you, you might sit down to watch TV and spend 20 minutes looking through thumbnails. And then also in the interim, you've had four text messages and an email come through. And that's like, mm-hmm. so everything is, you know, so they had limited means. It was like, you know, you had a trailer, you had TV spots and radio ads, billboards, and a poster, you know, on a bus and and then in the video store as well. Like you had to get people to entice them to pick up that thing. And I mean, I've done, you know, a little bit of research on that, even in, I'm in school part-time just to try and stay educated. <laughs> um, but uh, it's an interesting um, thing psychologically because um, there's something about the thumbnail on the TV and it happens with actors now too. Um, can you like imagine like LA at the time and before digital when there were literally thousands of headshots going through the mail system, like thousands and, you know, casting directors will be like looking at a resume on the back with a headshot. Now they have a screen with hundreds of thumbnails are just scrolling through and the photo on the computer monitor or phone, depending on whatever device is being used has to really pop. And um, I, I personally, I, it, to me, the eye doesn't read it the same. Um, and uh, I did a little bit of work uh after Disney on, uh, for another studio on, on a digital account for iTunes. And it, it always surprised me, um, sometimes with the, the artwork or the background wallpaper and things like that, when I'm like, you know, especially if it was a catalog movie and I'd be like, I don't know if that's what I would use to entice people to hit play here, but it's, you know, it's, right. it's difficult. Um, but they'll also do a whole bunch of Instagram posts and everything else to get you to, to watch it. It's just, it's different now, but those VHS tapes, they definitely had, and even the early days of DVD, the artwork definitely um, sold the movie. If you were going to drive yeah. to a store and take that thing home and that's all you had for 24 hours or a week, like you, right. you sat and watched it. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah. It is, it is sort of overwhelming now though. You're right. Cause I, I run into that myself and that's why I, I'll scroll and I'll screen. It's like, or I'll even, even honestly, just having a collection of this size. Sometimes I can sit here for 20 minutes and go, geez, what am I going to pick out of here to watch? And I always go back to my, I go back to the old favorites or if I'm downstairs and we're on the TV, I'll scroll through Hulu or Netflix for like 20 minutes and then be like, all right, I'm just going to watch another episode of it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Like I just can't, I, I just go back to the crutch because I'm like, I can't, it's, it's almost overwhelming how much content there is right now, which I, I don't know. It's got to like, it's got to pop at some point. This bubble's got to pop. I guess it's starting to hit Netflix and you know, they had their yeah. issues. It's, it's just so much though. I don't know how to keep up with Marvel and keep up with star Wars and keep up with, I want to watch Barry on HBO, but I haven't even gotten a chance Start to sit it, down yeah. and watch it. It's like, yeah, that's it's in insane. my queue as well. Yeah. It, it is nuts. It's um, I don't like, it blows my mind. Some of my friends, the amount of content they can get through. I don't have the time, um, but I, I've tried to like set rules for myself and we don't do the general scrolling in our house. If we're, you know, we've got like a combined notes thing on our phone. Um, so if we see a billboard or we see a trailer or it goes on our notes, so we've got like a list of like six TV shows. And, and if there's something that I feel like, oh, I want to go back and watch that movie I have on disc, it goes on that notes thing too. So I'm not again, Peru, like I try to be intentional because otherwise it's just, yeah, I, I will end up putting a rerun of um, Star Trek or the Simpsons or something like that just mm. to, you know, play it. Um, and, you know, I'm not, you know, and it's not even really what I feel like. It's just like, cause I, it's just too much. Um, yeah. But, and, and also the streaming model itself, I think is they'll, they'll figure it out. It's not going away, but these streaming no. platforms are problematic in the fact that they 
are not only a studio now, but they also run like a, a tech company almost um, and because of the amount of, um, you know, involvement in terms of the app itself that it takes. And then, um, so they're, they're incredibly expensive to run. And, um, you know, again, like they need to be kept with, you know, sorry, bombarded with brand new content to kind of keep us focused on that. And, um, you know, Netflix, yeah, it's an interesting time. They'll, they will level out. They're, they're always going to be the Coca-Cola of streaming. Um, you know, <laughs> like it's just, yeah. um, and they're not going anywhere. And it'll just be, I think that they will, we will, we'll see a shift in how they probably operate here and also then the, how much content they put out. They'll really, really start to look in at, you know, and examine what is, um, what's streaming and what people really want. And yeah, well, and they were, they were all growing so fast that they were just Netflix, especially was just, I swear, I think there's a whole South park episode about it where you could just like pitch anything to them and they'll say, here's $5 million. Go make it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it was to that point. And I mean, it's just like, it's not going anywhere, but like, yeah, there was a dot com bubble in that burst and like the internet didn't die and there's a crypto burst bubble bursting right now and it's there like, is. That, will, yeah. that will stick around but not a million joke things that people have been working on forever and the same will happen with streaming like it'll pop and then it'll reset itself and get get comfortable somewhere because you can't grow at the rate that netflix has been growing and, and sustain that it's impossible yeah it is and i think for audiences or consumers as well like i i, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the streaming platforms do merge or some don't um, make it long term. Um, I could be wrong. I, I will never say never, but um, it just seems to me like that. There's just it, I, I don't see how they can be getting the the traction. Um, yeah. You know, because it, it's interesting. Like when something this new forty five day window, something um, ends up streaming for free on Hulu, like a, a Fox Disney film or something, um, or now it's on Paramount Plus, like the new Scream or something, as you know, pops up. But then I'll look on iTunes and it's number one on iTunes. So people are still buying it, you know, uh, on digital versus where they could stream it on their platform if they had the platform. Peacock is free. Like you can stream Ambulance already and um, uh, The Northman on on, yeah. Pe on Peacock. And that's a, you can have that free. Just watch two commercials before the movie and it streams. But I don't know if the if the awareness or even just the the need or interest is is there for people to really have all of this these these apps. Um, so we'll we'll see. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, it's already starting. Like, I think the, uh, what's it, Discovery is going to merge in with HBO Max at some point. Yeah, well, the Warner, the, yeah, the Warner Discovery merge is already happening, happening, right. it's in progress. And uh, you'll see what they do with that because, yeah, you know, HBO Max uh, had, a, had a rough start. And um, yeah, well, well, I love their content, um, but it's just, no, I do too. you know, it, it's, it's it, also something I'm noticing with streaming, which is really interesting. Um, if you look on, you know, the top streaming stuff, like, you know, a lot of YouTubers report on what, you know, people are watching and Nielsen's and all that sort of thing and box office and that. But like, I found it fascinating, particularly on Netflix, that an old movie, speaking of like catalog, um, will, you know, be number one, like three weeks ago, US Marshals, like the <laughs> sequel to the future was number one across the world. Like it just, it's that movie has been kind of just MIA for a long time. It's been on some streaming here and there, and then it pops up uh on people's netflix and um everyone's watching it and um yeah. and it's happened with a couple of other i can't think of them but u.s marshals with the latest still in the top 10 and i'm like what is it about that movie um that has hit all of a sudden where everyone that has netflix is watching it um i know that it's a, it's a great film it's really really well edited um stuart baird directed that and um but i just that's fascinating to me um at random yeah, those, that they do yeah they do pop up time to time on netflix you log in and the top 10 will have like some 
rom-com from like 2004 and you're like yeah how did that how did that happen like where yeah. where did that the algorithm just decided to recommend this to everybody and everybody decided that that was the movie for them this week and it, yeah it is so interesting there's probably something to be learned there by what is working when you're seeing these older like could you replicate that with something newer is it the story is it you know there's definitely something to be learned there because there are I, some wacky ones yeah i think up. Yeah, I'm feeling that's what Top Gun Maverick is sort of done as well. It's it's almost done like it's gone it, it part. It's not just a nostalgia grab, and it's not just Tom Cruise, although he's amazing and a terrific producer. Um, but that film has uh, a friend of mine told the broadest range of ticket sales in terms of age demographic of any movie for like a long. I think he referenced Titanic or something like that. But that's a long time. So because when I saw it as well, it was interesting. There was like people my age with their parents who were in their like 60s, 70s, and then with their kids that were like six, you know, uh, and I'm 40. And I'm like, yeah, that that's interesting. I don't go to movies anymore where I see that kind of three generations of a family. And when I remember when I did see Titanic, that was the case. I remember when I went with my grandma and my, my mom, you know, like that was, and I was a kid. Um, so I think that there's something about that movie. It doesn't have um, it, it doesn't have an, an agenda to it other than it just tells a story of um, people putting their differences aside and their past grief and trauma and kind of coming together to hit a goal. Um, and it's inspiring. And it, it, like Titanic, it has that spectacle of real in-camera effects. They really shot a lot of those planes and the actors did a lot of the stunts. And it's crazy. Um, and I think that about, that's something for studios to learn from. It's not just about let's just remake everything from the 80s now. It's not that. You have to do it in a way that gets people a reason to get off their butt and go buy a ticket and sit in the theater. And I think that's what Top Gun Maverick did. It just had that perfect balance of um, a universal story um, and uh, and then the spectacle that I think is needed. And your eyes can tell when it's real. And I don't have anything against CGI. CGI has revolutionized so much of the industry and what you can do. But there's something to be said uh, when you use CGI as like the icing on the cake, if you're dealing with practical effects and um, it just, your eye reads it different, you know? Yeah. And no, that, and that type of movie, like, um, Oh my God, what was uh, the other one that just came out recently? That was heavy on practical effects. Now I'm drawing a blank, but, but you're totally right. It's just like that, that's a game changer, but that movie is also made. Well, Tom Cruise is the last big movie star, right? He's the only one that can really draw everyone out at this point and it's made for everybody but it's interesting how they approach i feel like as a marketing guy i feel like there's there's a pitch meeting and somebody's like well we need you know you pick the demographic and it's like yeah 18 to 24 and that's who we're making this movie for and we don't care if anybody else goes to see it and there aren't many universal movies like that anymore i assume avatar 2 will be like that james cameron seems to be able to do that he's one of mm-hmm. the last directors that can bring everybody out yeah um, scorsese can still do it i bet i remember going to see the wolf of wall street and i was sitting next to like a 75 year old couple who were horrified but they yeah were yeah yeah <laughs> but, but they were it's scorsese so they're there I'm, I'm like 20 and i'm like jesus they're watching they're sitting right next to him like this is I can't be here with these people. I feel bad. Like these yeah. are my grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but, yeah. He, but those types of people can still bring everyone out. And uh, it's, it's those movies that'll keep the theaters alive. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah hopefully, uh, hopefully Cameron pulls it off. Cause there's so many, um, you know, just cynics out there. And uh, I mean, I, I, 
I'm curious to see how this whole thing goes with Avatar 2 because it's been such a long time coming and, um, you know, it's common knowledge. It is the main reason we haven't got True Lies and Abyss on physical yet. I was, was going to go there. Yeah, but, that's okay. but um, yeah, I'm curious to see if, if he can do it with it. I mean, it's, I don't think my parents would be interested in Avatar, but they did go see Top Gun, um, which is interesting. So, I, But it's still, again, they do target this very tight, windows and i know from doing yeah. test screenings as well when we're testing a movie you know they have to get a certain a bit of everyone in but then i'm like oh there's a whole lot of like people you know 18 to 28 here like that's what they're really going for with this movie or there's people over 30 and um or a heap of kids which is a tough test screening uh there's kids filling yeah. out surveys oh um <laughs> 300 kids um yeah, really not surveys um but yeah it's an interesting um I think it's, it's a unique time. Everything is very much in flux right now, and we'll see how it levels out now that we're still in the pandemic. Well, it's an endemic, I guess, but um, people are going to the movies, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, the movies are back, but then it you know it surprises me. Like the other day, this is this ties back to Fox and Predator, but that new Predator movie that's set in like the I guess colonial America yeah. time period, and I was like, wow, this what a what an amazing concept like i would love to see predator in like medieval times and like go through all of that but then it goes straight to hulu and i'm like isn't that a movie that deserves the the movie it's predator that's like a yeah. keystone franchise yeah you, for fox you'd think so i mean i again this is my personal opinion i can't speak for anyone um you know the people that i know are still working on the 20th century studio side or searchlight side of Disney now Fox Searchlight what was Fox Searchlight is now Searchlight Studios but um yeah it's I I've noticed there's been um movies popping up going straight to Hulu um now that Death on the Nile is done um I don't think we've seen a Fox theatrical release since Death on the Nile which was back in February I think um I could be wrong um but I from my understanding that Disney's plan, so Fox used to do like, you know, around 18 movies a year, um, only mm-hmm. a certain amount of those, that's including Searchlight, only a certain amount of those were, were, were IPs, the rest were fresh concepts, you know, like a um, Bad Times of the El Royale or Bohemian Rhapsody or something like that or something that was not IP-ish. Um, and uh, from what I hear, I think that Disney's got, they're still going to put some Fox films out theatrically like avatar 2 obviously and we'll probably eventually get a deadpool 3 or um those kind of big ones but the other stuff the more the smaller movies that fox used to do um will probably just be straight to hulu which is sad and i I don't know how much this new predator movie costs um i would see it theatrically uh it'll be interesting to see how it does for um for hulu um because they're really still pushing hulu here whereas i was in australia um the start of the year and I use Disney Plus a lot because it had this that star logo on it, which is an, you know, my parents had it set up because they've got nephews and you put in a four-digit pin and then it opens up all the R-rated, all the Fox content, FX network, all that stuff, the stuff that's on yeah. Hulu now. So we're paying two, two for two separate streaming platforms here where you get the bundle, but outside of the US, um, there's a whole adult section on Disney Plus that to me makes, the, makes Disney Plus more... Um, for me, I like I don't want just branded content. So I was using Disney Plus a lot, and I think that it makes sense to get people to have these plat- that platform, which is what they want. Yeah. But it's also sad because I am a Predator fan. I would like to see it on the big screen, and um, 
there's no word if they actually are going to do any the- uh, you know theatrical releases. It's just it is being advertised as a Hulu exclusive. So that's all I've heard. Yeah, it's just yeah. straight to streaming. But so I think we'll see probably two thirds of their slate uh, of the Fox slate go direct to Hulu, and a third will get theatrical. Huh. Yeah, yeah, and that does that does suck because they were doing a lot of original stuff, and hopefully, you know, they'll still be able to but i I mean if i'm a filmmaker am i going to look towards them right now i might be a little bit nervous of you know what i'm going to get back and where my movie's going to end up i guess if it's going to go straight to hulu if i'm really set on a theater i mean but then you go to warner and they're like oh we're going to slap it on hbo max you go to paramount they stop it on paramount plus you really can't win anywhere right now as an original it's interesting, yeah. It's, it's I don't know. I, I haven't. I've, I haven't. Pr- I've produced a feature which got distribution, but it wasn't on that large a studio scale. And I know, can imagine what it's like. Um, you have to have some kind of notoriety or profile, or the concept has to be deemed theatrical worthy, I guess. But I mean, I think Paramount is coming off like they're pretty filmmaker friendly. They're doing that forty-five day window, but they are still putting their. Um, stuff out theatrically like sonic the hedgehog and obviously quiet place yeah. and scream and that so they're still they're doing interesting stuff sony doesn't even have a streaming platform so good right. on them because that's <laughs> that's what i'd be doing i just license the hell out of my stuff to make all these other platforms pay for my stuff instead of having to have my own and operate that i would be like not pay pay for this i just try and make the best content um and then just make all these other platforms just pay through the nose to get the rights for it. Um, you know, that's, that's um, what I would, I mean, I would do but, the same thing if I would had Disney's, if I was Disney and I had Fox's catalog for physical media, I'd do the same thing. I'd say, well, this, this is a lot of work for us in house and we're focused on our Disney plus thing. Let's just make a shit ton of money and license this stuff out to somebody like arrow or shout or Criterion yeah. who will we'll, do it. And it's like, we'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, we're getting, um, heat finally, uh, which is finally fantastic. Yeah. Yep. And you know, I think it was the, uh, fifth time I had told people a date for heat. So I'm hoping this one's real. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's been sitting there for a while. Uh, that, that, um, that master and, um, but yeah, you know, we we got speed from Disney and I like, I think it's a shame, but I don't know again, like the state of like trying to launch the streaming platform and everything else they've got going on. I don't know if it's about manpower or if it is a genuine, just, you know, disinterest unless it serves like the brand yeah. machine. Like, you know, I, I could see them doing the, the alien films at some point in 4k, I, other than totally. we've got alien, but seeing the others. Um, but again, it's like, I have no idea. Um, I just, I try to just lean into the, the good stuff and what is happening. And there is a lot of good stuff for 4k for, for us right now. I mean, I, Oh, yeah. You know, I, I see stuff coming through the pipeline and, and I'm just like, oh, God, it's going to be an expensive um, fall <laughs> this year, you know. And um, yeah. so, yeah, I think to me, there's enough. Yes, there is some real good stuff being kind of just held and locked away. And it's really frustrating. Um, I mean, I, you know, it, it, but again, I just try and take what I can get and be appreciative for that. So, yeah, no, I mean, and, and like what Kino Lorber's doing with 4K and now the Criterion is into 4K. They've gone full speed into it. Now I can't keep up with them either, which is like a good thing. I'd rather not be able to keep up with you than to be sitting there waiting and like, oh, okay, every six months we get one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, I, I mean, I'm everyone's just, on board now. It feels yeah, like. I'm trying to curate as well. I have a curated collection because I did go a little bit overboard at the start of the pandemic and some yes. movies started disappearing and um, 
I'd given away Fox titles that I'd worked on to people uh, just as gifts because it's like that thing when you're in it, like there's always going to be more. And then it's like, oh, where's my copy of, ah, oh, gave it to Damien. I got to buy it again. Because <laughs> like, we would sometimes yeah. we'd get our you know, gifts. We got these gift boxes and the titles we worked on. And I'm like, well, here, neighbor, take this Ice Age and he's a season of Family Guy or whatever. And, um, and then I kind of went on a little bit of a rampage and bought, bought some uh, titles and then I'm like my collection kind of doubled in size and now I'm like okay now I'm just gonna um, look for the curated stuff and I, I mean some yeah. stuff even if I think that it's got a really good Blu-ray transfer unless I really love the movie I'm not going to do the 4k upgrade um, like heat I will um, but uh, sometimes it's just you know and we're all different you gotta pick and choose um, yeah so and I, I did the same thing I went like and and it's probably part of just like being cooped up and then, like, you're not – I wasn't commuting to work. I wasn't eating lunch at work every day and buying lunch. I was like, oh, disposable income. Like, this is what it's like to have that. And I just went – I went crazy buying movies, too. And everybody was pushing online sales at the time. And I went really hard. And I actually just – today, I just shipped off about 200-ish from my collection to another collector. Um, I, I sold them to him in bulk for like a buck or two a piece. And this guy's going to get a great kickstart to his collection with 200 Blu-ray 4k. Some of it was like duplicates. Like I upgraded and hadn't gotten rid of the Blu-ray, but some of it was like you said, like I looked at it and I said, am I ever going to watch this again? Have I watched this period? If I haven't, I really don't need it at this point. And if I did, will I watch it again? Some of them had digital codes. So I just, I redeemed those and said, if I ever want to get it, at least I'll have, you know, until that digital service shuts down, at least it's there. Um, worst case, I'll find it on streaming, but it's not a movie I feel like I had to have. So I actually just purged, like I, I gave, I sold those off and then I purged a couple hundred more and I'm doing a huge like reorganization and curation of the collection, which has actually been healthy. Like it's I healthy, feel better. Yeah. I feel it's like better spring cleaning, it. man. It's, it's, yeah. it's good to, it's, it, you actually do. It's like, um, I, I don't have any, I, I don't have, I like my collections and stuff. I don't have hoarding tendencies, but I also just like, so when I do that and I, especially if I give it away to people that appreciate it or I'm sell it or whatever, it's like, no, they're going to get much more use out of that. I always feel really right. good. And then you also free up some space and I don't like clutter. So um, yeah. <laughs> it's good to, you know, but it, it's hard. Like I, I went through my collection. I thought, Oh, I wouldn't watch that again, but I know the disc is discontinued. So I'm going to keep it. And um, yeah, you know, so, um, that's true. I was doing yeah, that too. It's, it's hard. Like I, I, I did, there was a lot of Fox catalog stuff that got, um, you know, pulled and I had to import a couple from even Japan cause I really wanted the, the movies and, um, you know, and we, my department also serviced the, um, international SKUs. The sep- it's a mm-hmm. different disc, but like, you know, but it's the same disc, same transfer. You just switch the menus over to English and it plays. It's great. Um, yeah. and, um, so I had to do that as well because I'm like, no, Disney's. There's no way Disney's going to re-put gonna put this movie out again. So um, I picked that up. That was part of my my spending spree in 2020. <laughs> yeah, I, I took. I was taking note of anything that was Fox for that reason, and and just taking a quick peek, like where is it available? Is it still widely available or not? And then I was doing the same with MGM because I don't know what their future is going to look like. It feels like they do a good job licensing, but. That was all. I mean, when those deals run out, is Amazon going to re-up them? I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know. So I was holding on to a lot of those too. Do you know who um, made the um, the No Time to Die disc? Because I know that was an actual an MGM 
film. I don't know who I, I've got the disc, but I forgot to check like who actually looked at the back to see um, in the fine print who um who cut that disc. But um, I feel like it. I don't have it anymore because I bought the Daniel Craig. I that was one. I just I, actually that was in the box that I just sold to this guy because I bought the whole Daniel Craig set. Um, but that it should. I mean, it should be on there too. I have to look. It's a good question because that happened because, right in the middle of it all. Yeah, we did at Fox. Um, guy that sat behind me, also named Adam. He did the um, 4Ks of the Daniel Craig movies, not before No Time to Die, but the others. Yeah. Um, he did that right before um, we left, and um, so I, I know I've got a lot of friends actually at Amazon now, and I know they just you know had a big welcome thing, you know, event for MGM people. I should find out, but um, who knows? It's yeah, I'm hopeful so, because I think about. I mean, Amazon's a retailer, so it's like they're. They they've got to be the number one retailer of physical media in in the world. So, I mean, it would it, it doesn't do them any good to pull the stuff off of Amazon, you know, or or to pull it off the the shelves. I mean, they're, they're yeah, printing it's, money. It's a revenue stream. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, who knows where they are in terms of setting up shop there or what deals they've got? I, I have no idea. I mean, they could even set up a deal with a, a Kino or something like that to. Um, yeah. take take on their titles or you know i, I don't know it, it's it's interesting it's kind of like the wild wild west right now and uh, you just gotta go with the flow and um you know well, see if, what I'm, if i'm amazon i'm like well like okay i got this movie i license it to kino i get paid kino makes the disc puts it on amazon i get paid again like yeah i, I can that's double true up. you know everything we license is coming back to us to be sold and make revenue off of so it's a double whammy i mean yeah so i can't imagine they would that seems like it's too good to be true from a business standpoint. Let somebody else do all the work and then still sell the item. hundred percent. I mean, it's like I tell people as well, like, you know, physical media or discs for movies anyway, still, you know, multi-billion dollar industry yeah. a year. And um, then you've got like vinyl and um, CDs and that having like a, a kind of a renaissance now, uh, which is great, even with Gen Z's uh, getting into them. Um, which I find fascinating. Uh, but um, So it's not going anywhere. And I, that's the thing that I think, well, from a standpoint of we think logic, hopefully thinking logically that like it's a revenue stream, why wouldn't you do it? But um, yeah. a, a big part of it, I think, is manpower. And, and the thing I like working on digital versus discs and that discs, um, you know, they're, you know, it's it's an object. It has to go through manufacturing. There's a lot more um, time involved and um digital it just seems like we're just moving assets about you know what i mean like oh right. here here in coda check check this and here's the trailer and then like yep great push that to itunes that's that kind of vibe it just feels very and then i'll look at my tv like oh there it is on itunes that's great like you know but then when it's this thing it does take more effort there are more um mill moving parts you know you've got you've got printing for the actual slip you've got you know the replication of the discs you've got actually making the disc itself there's more vendors involved to um create the actual final product so it is more costly but again um they still unless there's a recall they do turn a profit so <laughs> that's that's what i was going to say every t these recalls that keep happening i know it's a pain for collectors and people who want the discs but i'm also just like secondarily i'm like this sucks because every time that happens someone's taking a huge hit at their bottom line and it's going to make them less likely to take a risk in the future or to yeah, do something. To, to break even on it. It's kind of like a write-off because it's yeah. a huge, it's, it's very costly. And like, you know, there's been a lot of talk. I think I've seen, I do peruse like obviously your channel and YouTubers and I, 
don't comment, but I look at message boards and see what people are writing about. And, um, you know, there, there definitely has been an increase in terms of these recalls. And, um, yeah. my, again, my opinion, uh, and my experience in working in it is just that, and no one has to, not everyone has to agree with me, but it's like people are working really, really hard on this stuff. They're not overrun per se, but I just think the last two years have been extremely um, challenging for people um, with whether you want to talk about from the pandemic, politically, socially, financially, um, people are under a, a lot of pressure. There's been a lot of change. I mean, look at my, I cannot believe the level of change in my life in the last two years from not only just Fox and jobs, but the amount of you know, deaths, pandemic, missing this, getting married with only three people at my wedding and things like that. There's just been so much, um, you know, unrest. And like, I think it does, it bleeds into your work and into your day. And um, QC out of any, any, actually, I won't say that. That's not true. But out of, you know, the process, QC is like, you have to have an extreme attention to detail. And um, these QC techs are reviewing stuff over and over and over. And um, it's, it's uh, surprising to me that it, that it happens and that it makes it past a second pass or a third QC pass or someone at the um, distributor doesn't pick it up and they're reviewing the disc. But again, um, I think it's just a reflection of the state of the world right now, <laughs> which is kind yeah. of messed up. And um, when there is a recall, I just, you know, I do the recalls paperwork and, you know, yep. I feel bad that it's going to cost them money. I, I never, I, I don't get upset about this stuff anymore because um I mean, life's too short. There's just more important things. And it's um, very lucky to be able to say I have the bandwidth and the time and freedom in my life to collect movies. Um, so I just, um, you know, with love, <laughs> say, yeah, get, get my get my recall, you know, my new disc, my replacement disc and move on. So, but it, it is, t- yeah. They tend to do a pretty good job. I mean, it's not the fastest thing in the world. I know people expect, I get messages all the time, like, do you get the replacement just for this? And I'm like, well, they put it out three weeks ago. So like, I, it's not going to happen that quickly. It's a huge process. I mean, they have to, they have to correct the issue first, then you've got to go and actually manufacture everything. Um, because so they, they have to, yeah, you're talking about pulling stuff off shelves, pulling it from Amazon warehouses. Everything has to be recalled. The packages have to be opened. I think that uh, the way it's done is that the people that have already purchased and submitted a recall request, get the discs first, but then, yeah. In the interim, all those other prepackaged sets that haven't sold get re- get opened. The discs have to be replaced, repackaged, and then resent it. Like that's a lot, and um, yeah, you know. So, yeah, but it's been an. It's, I think I got the Donnie Darko disc, which got um, you know recalled. But I had that player issue with that disc, and um, new disc is great. So yeah, well, and it's hard with all the technology too. I mean, 4K period is not. There's still issues with like certain game consoles like i think the xbox can't play like 100 gig discs well and there's just issues with older players from four or five years ago that haven't been updated and they're having issues with newer discs or the larger files and i mean it's just like not even even after it's been like seven years but it's not like super perfected as a format yet it was almost like a little bit ahead of where the equipment to play it was like we had the capability to make these discs but the equipment and the technology to play it in your home is like still kind of getting better and being improved on so it was a little bit ahead of the curve where i mean it 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 was weird because those 4k discs came out like i think even before most players launched 
Like it was, it was I'd very th- early. It felt. I think the first Fox one. Um, people can correct me if I'm wrong. Please just tweet to me if I'm wrong. I think it was The Martian. Uh, I remember they used that as a presentational uh, right. disc for us at Fox. Um, and I'd just seen The Martian at the Zanuck. And then we saw like, and um, I remember the time because I just didn't think that it, it was like, wh- whatever. Like I didn't think that yeah. it wasn't until I saw some older movies in 4K that I really kind of was like, oh, this is great. Um, but uh, yeah, so it probably was like 27, 2016. I think 2017 ish, 2016. Um, but yeah, there are this, the, the player issues that that's a frust that is frustrating. Um, because again, as you're right, that's the player technology as well. Not keeping up with what's how the, the discs are made. Um, yeah. So the I didn't know that about Xbox. And... I didn't know that about Xbox. I didn't I, know that. I think so. that's what it is. People have told me that they have issues. I mean, there's still a lot of discs that are 66 gig discs, but the hundred gig discs, the bigger files, one of one version of the Xbox has issues. You like can't play the disc well, or it'll skip. Uh, I mean, I've had my own issues here lately, where like I'm losing signal for a few seconds at a time, and I, you know, I figured out I figured out why it was some settings in my in my player, but like God, that took me going onto forums and asking several other people like what's going on because I switched cables. I went straight to the TV. I was like, this is still happening. I don't the technology is not working well. So what's going on? Like it should be easier. And there was like deep into advanced settings, something in a color space I had to change and that fixed it, which is insane because default out of the box, most people wouldn't know to do that and they'd return it and say it's broken. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's, I think it it, it creates a barrier to entry for some people. I think. Yep. The UHD 100 issue is I think potentially why some distributors are reluctant to use that disc um yeah i think because of the fact that it just involves more uh customer complaints and um not going to say who but there's you know some are more adverse to, to that they don't want to have to deal with that that's again like a time management thing it's a time suck it's costly um yeah. so they will do their best to try and get it on a uhd 100 and i've encountered both sorry uhd 66 i've encountered both and then others distributors do not give a crap like if the movie needs to go on a uhd 100 to look the best it's what they're going to pay for and they're going to do it so um but yeah, i didn't know that about those discs so that's interesting yeah which it does explain i think most of disney's are 66 and i mean it makes it makes sense if i'm printing you know my god I, guardians of the galaxy 3 which is going to sell god knows how many copies compared to donnie darko from arrow video popular movie but boutique priced as a boutique collectible item like not going to do the numbers that guardians will do i i'd want to make sure that the disc isn't having any issues because that's a massive massive 100 yeah that's but i think that's what collectors it. need to yeah need to think as well i think you know where we're kind of becoming lazy with our critical thinking skills these days including myself but just i think part of that's just I mean, certain amount of characters on Twitter and that sort of thing. It's hard to kind of get your point across or think with yep. any kind of nuance and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I try to think, I think, you know, you have to look at it from the business perspective as well. Um, and so UHD 66, just have to deal with it or not buy it. <laughs> yeah, no. And I mean, for the most part, they look all right. I think it's, there's sure if you've got that eye and you're, zooming in on your tv and you're like okay nope that's that's a little bit compressed there it's like okay but the 99 percent again are not uh, they don't know that there's a 66 versus 100 and they're certainly not going to tell the difference between the two yeah 
Yeah, it's so. it's the it's the crushing of the blacks that I notice the most. Uh, it's yeah. when I get when I get up to, you know, get a drink or something and walk past the TV and it's paused or it's still playing and I walk past it and I'm really close and I'm just like, Ugh. it's usually streaming most of the time versus yeah, that's a disc the and that. But like problem. I was, was watching um, Strange New Worlds last night on Paramount Plus and I just I was like, God, it's not a good stream tonight. It's not like you now we can't oh. pay any extra for our Wi-Fi. It's like they come. It's the best it can be. And I'm just like, well, this is not doesn't look right good. and you're totally yeah. reliant on like for me it's it's xfinity and it's like well how are how are their servers doing today and i'm hardwired my tv's hardwired it's right next to the router i mean it doesn't matter sometimes i get a great stream and then sometimes i'm you know trying to watch i, I remember the worst one ever was watching game of thrones in that last season oh was god that, was that the episode that the night the one at the, night when it was the, the battle and, night, oh and my I, god I, I literally shut it off i said i can't <laughs> I can't do this right now. I'm going to have to just stay off the internet and avoid spoilers because the bandwidth is not here and I yeah. can't see a damn thing. It looks yeah, like it, it, worse than DVD. Like it's terrible. I feel like that movie, that was, I say movie, it was shot like a film. And I we had people over, we did Game of Thrones nights and um, I just remember looking at it. No, I, I, I was just like, this looks, right. this looks like rubbish. I was, I, and it wasn't, I, I, so just, I, I couldn't even focus on the story because all I just no. saw was that the, the, the crushing of all the blacks. It was so, and especially when they were supposed to be so eerie and um, it just didn't work. It actually killed yeah. it. It, um, it did. It did. It, on the disc, it looks incredible on the 4K disc that I have. I mean, I, I got the set and that was the first thing I said was I'm going to that episode and this is going to tell me whether or not they did a good job or they, you know, half-assed it. It's unbelievable night and day to watch that on the disc so that that's usually my biggest complaint about the streaming is is the dark like i can't watch like the batman on a streaming service it's too dark it's too dark it's those blacks always that uh 4k just kills mm-hmm. you just can't you can't beat it there's just such a richness to it and um yeah. I, I just did a, um essay on um because it was an anniversary yesterday for batman forever um and just Again, say what you want about the film, but just that transfer and watching that movie in 4K, just the the color the, the, awesome. in that film, and just everything just looks so chic and and slick. And I, I like made that it was like the, the movie. Just I was like, this looks, I, I don't know, like it's just different to how I remember it. I just like I know it yeah. was colorful, but this is just like wow. Um, and that's the exciting part about it. It's great when I disc comes in. You know, sometimes it's like. I'm glad I've got this, but sometimes I really can't wait to put it in to see what they've done with it. If it's a, you know, your favorite, one of your favorite films. And, um, most of the time it's impressive. So <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very rare that I have to give a, not have to give, but that I, I give a bad review or say like, I wasn't super impressed with this. There, there's a few where I say, yeah, you know what? You could buy this on Blu-ray or 4k. It's going to be good either way. You know, or, if you don't want to spend the money, don't spend the money. But there are very few where I'm like, just skip this completely because uh, just the just the HDR, the color, regardless of, of everything else, the benefits, but the color is just unbelievable on those discs. Um, it, that's that's constantly what blows me away. Yeah, that's how you win people over, guys. For everyone listening, <laughs> it's yeah. just to blow people away with your reference discs, and um, yeah. you know you can make some collector friends that way. That's why I've done it. <laughs> so. Yep. Yeah. So before yeah. I, uh, we go, oh God, we've been over an hour. Before I let you go, though, I do oh want to talk. Wow. I do. I know it flies. See, this is what happens when you get two nerds. Yeah, I don't get to talk to anyone about this stuff, you know. And I, I, 
neither I, do I. So it's except it's, for these podcasts. <laughs> yeah, even people I work with, we don't really talk about it. You know, we just like, we don't. Oh, yeah. So yeah, well, it's, it's work, right? Yeah. So it's like yeah, I don't want to talk about it. We're at work all day. I totally get that. But um, I did want to ask, like, so heat's been heat was hanging around for a while, and we knew that had a four K scan because it had. I have the Blu Ray. That was the four K transfer. It's right next to me right now. What else is there that we know about that is public that you could actually share? Because I know you can't share all of it, but I know that there's got to be some that have been released or are on Disney Plus that yeah could could come to 4K disc. Well, yes. Uh... <laughs> Tread carefully. Yeah, I have se- I have se- I have seen the vaults I- and. Um... It's kind of feels like I've got, you know, like government information. Uh, but like, <laughs> I, I look I, to be fair, I don't know what has been worked on um, post Fox. Yeah. I know it was in progress. Um, uh, Home Alone 2 Lost in New York is on uh, Disney Plus in 4K. That mm-hmm. was in progress um, when in 2020. And so I can say that it's on their streaming platform. Um, uh, it has been on social media, I think, from the person that worked on it. Uh, obviously, we've seen Abyss. Um, you know, yeah. uh, I, that was a. Few, I, it was when I was at Fox that Instagram post popped up. Someone in the facility that was, that like was working on it. Twenty sixteen. So you saw Instagram that post, post too, because I don't remember who it was. It he was, had, a, it was I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Setup, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So, yeah, so it's that public, was twenty. Yeah. That was six years ago. That post hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, there, there's a ton of restorations. Some are just a two K restoration because four um, K wasn't done. But like even the two K scan, you could do a, a new Blu Ray release similar to what like. You, you know, you could still do a Blu-ray of this new scan because it's like you look at yeah. um, the Blu-ray discs that have like the new transfer on it, like the like the Batman films, for example, the, the 90s ones and that like you put in your previous Blu-ray or the, the new one that comes with a 4K disc, you can still tell it's the new transfer. It just looks amazing. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, we did have a screening of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid uh, at Fox. It was uh, like a, a one one night uh, that we all got to go and watch. That was a new transfer. And the first time I ever seen the film was one those films that I just missed. And um, mm. my mum loved it growing up, and I just knew it was such an iconic film. We never watched it in film studies at school, and so I got to see that. Um, but that's uh, Home Alone Two Abyss. Um, you know, obviously everyone knows that. Um, Everybody would like to release True Lies, whether it's Disney or Fox wants to release yeah. True Lies. Like I'm sure everyone would. I'm sure Sony would take it. You know, <laughs> like it's just uh, right. and I that like both um, you know so, uh, Abyss and True Lies would come up at least once a year when I was at Fox, and um, you know we'd cut a budget and um, and we wouldn't announce it obviously because there you know I'm sure that the powers that be in marketing are in touch with Lightstorm and it's like oh he's got some downtime. James Cameron can review this and. So let's cut a budget. Let's get it because we've got this window, and then we can get this thing out, and then it will just go away. And um, yeah. and it was interesting with our first year with with Disney as well, when we're all still like Fox working the Fox workflow on that, and we're all still together. Uh, you know, Disney hadn't really come into our department yet. But we did another budget for True Lies, and um, it it uh, and I don't honestly, I don't remember if it was in 4K and Blu-ray. I don't remember, but yeah, we'll um, take you know, either so, one at this point. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but. Um, <laughs> And there's a whole bunch of other stuff because it's, you know, I, I can't say. There's just, no, yeah. there, 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 there's stuff, you know. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, we're, we're I'm, I'm glad we got, I thought Speed was a phenomenal transfer. I was really um, it was. impressed with, with that. Um, yeah. And I, they did a screening of that at, at Fox when I worked there and that, and took a little while to, to get it out, but uh, it, it did. And um, it looks, they just, 
I don't know. They they knocked it out of the park. It just uh, it was great. So I have no yeah, words, that, that was night and day. Yeah, but that, I guess that's why I was curious because I remember. I think you were one of the people that tweeted about, Hey, I just saw speed in 4k on the Fox lot. And then everyone was like, okay, so where is it? And then it was like, <laughs> it was five years later that we got it. So that's why I was curious, I guess, Butch Cassidy, um, if there were any others like that, that were yeah, there's, publicly known that yeah, transferred. There's a, that's about all I can, I can say, man, I'm sorry, but uh, it, it, right. it, I get it. Like even, I mean, when it was announced that Disney was going to take over Fox before they even got in there, you know, every department's going to get vetted and, um, that just happens. And so they want to make yeah. sure that they're showing a profit. And, um, you know, so we put it, we, you know, after we did the predator trilogy, we kind of put a button on the 4k catalogs for a while. Uh, and, um, until they figured out what was going to go up, what the budgets were going to be for each department, all that sort of thing. And it sucked because I, I loved working on those. I was, you know, grateful that when I did move to Disney that I got to work on home alone. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it, um, We'll, we'll, we'll have to see what, what they do. Um, but there is, there is stuff in there. And I mean, you know, Paramount's done the same thing. There's, um, I saw a whole bunch of Paramount titles in 4k in Australia on one of their streaming platforms called Stan and, uh, yes, Stan it's called. Uh, and I was like, (laughs) I I was going through and, and, and then I was Googling Paramount, I'm sorry, 4k movies available on Stan. And I was like, Oh my God, there was a whole heap of, you know, Paramount stuff available in Australia. And I'm sure probably other parts of the world. Um, I didn't know that. So, um, but yeah, I, I will say, well, I'd love to, you know, cause it's public home alone Two and abyss and, um, but we'll, we'll have to see true lies. Hopefully yeah. uh, it, it's again, it's just pinning down James Cameron and, um, <laughs> chaining him to a chair and And that's true right because i i always i've I've been told that and i always say that but this is confirmation it's like those are not coming out unless he 100 percent green lights them yeah there's tons of there's a lot of filmmakers that have that deal in there um i've heard david fincher does too yeah of course um you know anyone that is like a a a visualist like that or that has that you know scorsese and another one in coppola's working you've had uh coppola's guy on his uh on your channel here um He's great. They're doing amazing stuff and they see the value in it. And, um, you know, and Fox is very filmmaker friendly. I can't every, um, I don't, I do know Chris Columbus supervised both the home alone transfers. I know Yonder Bond supervised speed and Ridley Scott supervised alien. Um, I don't know about all the predators that I don't remember. Um, but you know, we even had directors come in to record a commentary for, for the new release films, whether the film flopped at the box office or not, they were like, no, come in and do a commentary. And so that, you know, I, I think it it makes sense to have the director or um, the DP at least. I know Yonder Bond's doing um, flatliners for Arrow since uh, Joel Schumacher's passed away, and, um, and you know Yonder Bond shot that film. He was a cinematographer before he was a director, and that's going to hopefully look great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think having filmmaker involvement, um, because I even as you've talked about before, like with the HDR, it's not essentially how it was shot, right? right. So um, I want at least their stamp on it. Uh, you know. Um, Barry Sonnenfeld did a, I did a fantastic job with the Adams family last year. And that, um, that movie was at that perfect cusp, kind of like Burton's Batman films and that where everything was still practical. The sets were practical, the texture on the sets and just the costumes and the makeup, everything in that film, there was no green, it was a couple of green screenshots, but most of it just, that film just like looked incredible in 4k and you could tell like he just locked himself away in the pandemic and worked on his, worked on one of his, his first movie actually. So, um. Yeah, it is. It is important, though. And you're right. And I think the HDR is the big one because it's sort of it is a revisionist 
version a little bit because that, but it, but it is, I always pictured it as like, okay, this is, this is how director XYZ would have wanted this to look if he had the technology to do it. And, and this is what was in his head. Couldn't make it happen at the time is now able to, to make it happen without, hopefully without overdoing it and, you know, drastically changing a look and feel. I want to see um, the, I do want to see the film green. Um, obviously depending yeah. on the film stock, some, uh, transfers are grainier than others. Um, you know, I think Ghostbusters and the first predator come to mind, but to me, they still look incredible. Uh, you know, and others have a more of a finer grain like speed. Um, but yeah. I do want it to look like, uh, to me, it should look like a pristine film print, you know, without any of the scratches and look like, you know, that's how I want it to look like a film print if it's shot on film. Yeah. Um, so as good yeah. as it can, depending on, you know, how it was shot too. Like you said, like predator, I, I just reviewed true romance, which is like, it's pretty grainy like that's, but that's also was a stylistic choice that Tony Scott makes with his movies. And, it's not as bad as like a man on fire. That's very stylistic, but I mean, it, it still has that. And I get in arguments to people because I say predator is like one of the best 4k restorations. And I loved it because if you looked at the blu-ray release, that was rough. Every, uh, yeah. I, I, it I, yeah. It's kind of like, oh, you look like a Madame to swords kind of wax figure. It's like everyone had, yeah. you know, the, the, the plants in the jungle looked plastic like, and Arnie's sweaty biceps look like rubber. Just like, right. you know, like, it's like, <laughs> And if you take that and you want to take it and compare it to No Time to Die, then you're going to be like, yeah, this isn't a good 4K disc. But like, that's not the context that you should ever be. It's apples to oranges. You can't ever compare that. So I, I always try to score it. It's it's within the context of that movie's history and source, and then and then we can play it against you know others of a similar caliber. But I cannot compare Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation to the man who shot Liberty Valance. Yeah, it's good. This is what I'm talking about. It's like the level of critical thinking, you know, you can, you can apply, like it's not rocket science, but yeah, in the context of what you're dealing with and the right. error that it was shot and that it was made, um, that's what you have to think about. It's not about making it look like it was shot in 2022. Right. Um, like it that's sh- not it the point. It should be the best uh, that that movie has ever looked. Yes, but not the best movie you've ever seen look on, like on your home theater. That's not a reality. And I think people, that, so a lot of people get it. I've been preaching it, but a lot of people still don't get it. And they'll be like, I'm not buying that movie. It's got too much grain. It's like, well, then you're, I, I guess you're just never going to watch that movie or anything from like pre 2010 <laughs> because they all have grain. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think these restorations, we're talking about practical effects earlier and even just like Adam's family, that there's that kind of, there's a, there's a definitely an era of films when the technology for practical was so high and, um, that it, they re- yeah they really really well yeah, yeah they they I haven't seen I actually haven't seen Jurassic Park in 4K I haven't gone back and watched it um but it's yeah okay. <laughs> I've heard um yeah but uh yeah it's like there's something about those when they're done really well um like Speed is one as well practical effects they shot that movie yeah. around LA crashed cars and everything like that it just lends itself that gen- that era of filmmaking because it's tactile and the, the CG a lot of the all the CG from like late nineties doesn't transfer to 4k that well. It looks pretty, can look pretty yeah. rough. So, um, you know, it's, um, that's, that's kind of like a niche little era. And obviously then going way back in like era of Hitchcock and that they can look amazing too. And movies like red shoes, which you covered too. And yeah, that was unbelievable. Vertigo is unbelievable. Like those movies, it's crazy. Cause they do look like 
they could have been shot yesterday. I mean, obviously you can, you can tell they weren't cause they all still have the old Hollywood accent and they're, <laughs> they're definitely like, it's an old school Hollywood movie, but you're like, man, if you didn't, if you didn't tell me, if you told me somebody was just making like a sixties period piece and they shot this last week, I mean, they're at that level, which yep. is awesome. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I, again, that's what I love about it. I think that's why everyone listening loves this stuff. Cause it's, um, yeah. it's, it's, I call it like transformative. It's like a way to rediscover something that you think, you know. And, um, I mean, I, I loved, um, yeah, like it's talk about Batman Forever, that and Batman Returns and Adam's Family, Back to the Futures, and that they just they looked so good. I was so happy with those. And um, yeah, it's I like, like watching a lot them of, for the first time again. Yeah, I mean, I like a lot of the more indie or foreign language stuff, even the stuff that Criterion puts out a lot. But in terms of like some of my mainstream popcorn movies that I grew up watching and um, that still hold up today as an adult, as a grown man, <laughs> I can still yeah. like this stuff. Um, it's great to see them and uh, look so good. So yeah. No, totally agree. And so if you're if you're listening and you're still on the fence, if you're still one of those who's like, show me, show me no time to die, show me Mission Impossible, show me the Avengers, or you know, don't show me anything, I, I gotta tell you you're you're missing out on I I guess I don't know why you upgraded everything to four K if you're not gonna go back and look at those older movies. Cause that for me is the selling point. The new stuff's great, looks cool. Um, it's gonna look cool on pretty much any display you put it on. So you got to go back and check out this older stuff. It is unbelievable, and I can't recommend it enough. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, a lot, of, lot more movies than when I was young to, for people to go back and study now for the younger generation. I, like, I can't imagine doing film studies at uni now because you've got like another, so another two decades of movies. So um, yeah, I mean, there's yeah. there's a hundred years of you know movies now at least. I mean, hundred and ten, hundred and fifteen years of movies it's an insane run there's and then every you know every day there's more movies than there have ever been so i do like seeing more younger collectors though i've been noticing i've been getting instagram messages and tiktok comments and there's like and they're always like nobody my age collects and i'm like well let me tell you about like the 50 messages i've gotten last week from people who are 15 to 18 who are like i have nobody to talk to about this i'm like come online because there's plenty of us there are dozens of us yeah start a youtube channel for the gen y's you know and their tiktok accounts happening and just start plugging it so i mean it's not rocket science i'm not doing anything special i'm just i got a phone here i'm sitting in front of my phone recording myself i mean it's people are interested and if you if you're interested in show enthusiasm, you can do it. So I would encourage anybody to do it. The more people talking about it, the better. So it's, and that's why, you know, the stuff you're doing at the Academy, writing articles about these and bringing more awareness to them is, is great. And the other articles you've written in the past, that one on physical media, I'll probably, uh, I'll throw it down in the link of this podcast because that's a really good one too. I like that article a lot. So thanks Jeff. Thank you. And thank you. Because like, I, I think I discovered your channel a whiles back when I'm actually at Fox, I was sitting at my desk and cause I, I would just want to look at what people were saying about our discs and especially ones that I worked on. I think I can't remember which one you reviewed. I hope I was done. nice. Yeah. I mean, you're always, <laughs> you're, you're always genuine. I mean, that's the thing. Like I don't, even when something is, is disappointing, that's the thing. You don't have that, that venom. There's no, there's no nastiness. It's just like, it's an honest critique. And, um, no, I can't get that you're great. mad about it. It's a movie at the end of the yeah, day. Like you're, you're great. Um, so, and thank you for, you know, for doing this, doing the podcast and your channel, because I think, uh, you know, there's still a lot of us, there are still a lot of, you know, we're not like a completely dying breed. And like you said, there's newer people coming to the table as well. It's just, it's more of a niche thing now, but, um, yeah, we love it. And that's cool. So, yeah. Well, no, I appreciate you coming on here too. It's been cool to, you know, I t- I've gotten to talk to some 
really cool people who have inside looks at all this stuff that I've gotten passionate about and I've, I've learned a lot. And certainly with all your experience, um, you know, there's a lot to learn there. I probably, I could have talked to you for another two or three hours probably about everything going on. Yeah. I feel like if it's Friday, it's, you know, like it's go get a beer or something, you know, (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) but it's cool to just hear about like the inner workings at, at Fox and you know, how that all played out. And, you know, I, I do have hope. I still have hope that stuff's going to get released. And, you know, I think, I think there's still Disney has to see the value. They were the Kings of VHS. They were the Kings of DVD I mean, that's where they got a whole generation of people attached to them when they really didn't have a great run in the 80s and they didn't have a great run in the early 2000s, but they had classics on VHS and DVD that kept a new generation of fans involved in Disney. So, yep. I mean, they, they even had their, their movie club, you know, their movie club as well. Like they, I, I had to fish out someone in LA that was a club member to get me some of them. It's like, I want that return to Oz disc. It's like, I, that movie traumatized me as a kid. Now I love it. It's so good. And, and it's like, when they released it, I was like, how do I get this? And it's like, what, what is this? You know, what's this club, this club business? Like, you know, so (laughs) I did the same thing. There's a guy who lives by me. He has a YouTube channel actually too, Joe Martinez. And he's in the, the uh, Disney movie club. And I bought like, 15 discs off him a few months back i got like jungle the jungle and um parent trap and like all these ones that i like grew up on that i was like i just i need all the mighty ducks movies um it'd be nice if they made those available everywhere but hey at least they're at least they're somewhere they're on a disc somewhere you can just get get them on ebay and someone's upselling them but um, yeah i know or or, fi- or find a friend find a find a friend that's like the way I did. To do it took it. a few or months just, but, um, or just sign up because i've done it three times and you can keep signing up and the initial sign up deal it's not pretty bad. good is it okay if you if you get a promo code from somebody who's a member I, if i remember correctly and this was before 4k and i think you can get 4k discs now it was like buy one movie at full price and then get five for a dollar each oh my so god so your first order is like 30 that, bucks for six movies. And then you sold. have to, over the next two years, you have to buy three of their commitment titles each month, okay. which are sold at like, like twenty four ninety nine, like MSRP basically. Okay. Um, so when you think about it, that's 75 bucks, 60 bucks, you spend about $130, but you're going to get 10 to 12 Disney discs. I mean, it's yeah. like 10 bucks a piece. It's pretty you, good. You can't beat that for, yeah. especially for the exclusives, which I think are part of that deal. So, yeah, signing up isn't bad too. And then you you cancel it, and then you can do it again. I don't, I don't know if they encourage that, but I did it like three times, and nobody okay. ever stopped me. So I'll, I'll I'll note that instead of contacting my friend, she'll um, she'll appreciate me not asking for four copies of the same it's, movie. It's worth doing it once. Or, like, yeah, I mean, I thought it was. I bulked up basically all my Disney and Pixar Blu-rays came from Disney Movie Club that I just did three times, and just each time just bulked up on the latest, even Marvel stuff. Marvel and Star Wars is in there now. You can get all really? that stuff. Okay, yeah. I didn't even know it was still going. I'll have to. I'll check it oh, out. Oh yeah, yeah. You got to find. Ask your friend who's a member. You get a code, and then they give you a promo code, and you get like extra versus the. I think the base level deals like four movies for a buck. And if you get a member to refer you, you get like five or six movies for a buck and you get extra stuff. So there you go. A little pro tip for everyone out there. Listening. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to do some research. Thank you. Find Thanks. a friend. 
actually they're on forums and all over the place too. You can find codes. So wherever you go, but it's, I, I would say it's worth doing at least once for sure. Totally. That's my one Disney advertisement. Now I'll send, I'll send them an invoice later. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure they'll respond. Like where this uh, influx of members come from? What's like, I'm, pro- you know, I'm like- probably on a blacklist somewhere. <laughs> But who knows if they, who knows if they have that? Uh, I don't know. No, we they've still know. been pretty nice to me when I asked them questions like the abyss, and they answered me and they said, "Yeah, that's going to come out later this year with Avatar 2. I mean, they and were pretty. It's well, not official, but they were like, "Yeah, it's probably going to happen. James Cameron you, will do it." Did you reply back and say, "What about True Lies?" You just keep that email chain going. You know, I replied <laughs> back and said, "Can you tell me anything else?" I included true, and they were like, "Nothing at this time is in the works." Which doesn't mean that nothing's in the works, no. but it, it means they're not going to tell me anything more. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, yeah, that's fair enough. There's a lot of moving parts, so you never know. But yeah, yeah, no, you know, I'd, I'd hate to be the guy who blows something up because you know what, that can happen if you leak something early. I've seen that happen, and people get information, and then it it blows things up, and then I swear sometimes stuff gets canceled because they didn't like the way that it was announced or released yeah yeah i mean that, I'm very like, cautious of that yeah it's you you know it it's it's a serious business in that because you're also dealing with yeah. talent as well and sometimes you know every there's things called residual checks that actors get and so yep. do producers and directors and things like that so when you're moving something onto a new format sorry when i like we're going over time here but okay. um, moving something onto a new format um you know, that that has to be taken into account. And sometimes um, they do want to do it. There's plans to do it. They're working on it, but they deals aren't all signed off yet. And then if they, if you see an explosion of interest on social media or some random blog somewhere, um, that yeah. might make some talent ask for more money and that therefore deems the release unprofitable, you know? Um, right. And then it just gets shut. It could get shut. It could, I'm not saying that's happened, but it could get shut down. Um, I can't, I'm not going to disclose anything, but like, you know, that's, that's a real thing. Um, so, yeah. and I've noted even with like behind the scenes content, um, with Fox with deleted scenes or outtakes, you know, every single actor or any one of the crew that are in those scenes or that outtake needs to sign off on it. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and some talent, you know, has to go through their reps and that they'll, they might not, they, they, that outtake might make them look stupid. You know, some outtakes, you know, is, is it funny or do they look, you know, they look yeah. like they're a klutz, you know, and that's the same thing with deleted scenes. Sometimes those scenes are for a reason they're taken out and uh, it's not always about timing. Sometimes it's for other reasons. So, um, and then if yeah. you, again, you're going to reformat a film and re-release it, um, it, that has to be taken into account. So, they announce things as soon as they know it's a, it's a go and it's got a hundred percent green light. Um, and announcing earlier is not a good idea. It's, you know? it's pretty much why I stay away from it, to be honest, because there are, I mean, there are some, there are rumors and I hear things and I have people say things or I see like somebody the other day on a, on a Facebook group, one of the guys was doing a commentary, I think for Halloween six, and he kind of like leaked that somebody was like, Oh, is it getting a 4k? And he was like, Oh, wait and see. It was like a smiley face. And it was like, you like, and this is a guy working on it, but I'm like, I'm not even going to post that because it's not official. And I honestly don't want to drive more attention to it until it is in fear of them canceling it. Cause I really would like that to happen. So it, it almost happened with the first five Halloweens from scream factory is uh, from what I heard, like John Carpenter and his team were pissed that they did not get to make that announcement with one of the record companies they work with to release his stuff 
because it was that big limited edition set with the single in it. Um, and somebody leaked it and it got out there and it got all the buzz and they missed their announcement. And he like, it almost fell apart because of that. So I don't play, everyone always asks me and I'm like, I'm just not, when I get an official press release or like somebody tells me and then says, I can share, I will share until then. I'm going to keep them to myself because the last thing I want to do is be the guy who blows something up and ruins it for everyone else. Yeah, and two months notice is whatever notice they give is is always to me enough. I mean, I yeah. you know, I'm not I'm not privy. I know some stuff that's coming down the pipeline. Um, but I again, like it does for me even just personally, whether I learn it six months in advance, it just makes waiting for it longer. I just like so I'm like I don't right. you know, it's, it's like not going to change anything. Yeah. Um. So yeah. It could only change things for the worse if that stuff comes out. Like, I don't see any benefit to it. If you're giving people two months to pre-order and get ready for it, like, you can still generate plenty of excitement. Um, there's no need to to leak things. And I stay away from all that. Just not yeah. my game. I mean, I you're, you're just it. you're sticking to the business of it and covering what actually exists and what's coming out. And that's, that's what's awesome. So. Yeah, and I don't want to ruin relationships so that someday if I want to have the guy from Disney on a podcast or something, he's like he's not like, Oh, you're the you're the asshole who blew up the release <laughs> yeah. of the Abyss because you announced it early. <laughs> I, like I just it. don't want to I'm not gonna be that guy. I don't want to burn any bridges. It's so. like answering your question, we do have a blacklist and you're on it. That's what he'd say. Yeah, like, pretty like, much. <laughs> I mean like, I know I'm not Mickey Mouse's favorite guy, but like it's it's fair criticism that I try to give. I try not to be overly just like hateful because i watch obi-wan kenobi and i've watched every episode and i watch disney plus all the time and i love disney like i don't hate disney i'm just being critical of some of the things that have been happening lately so i I think there's that people always like you hate disney and i'm like i don't i don't hate disney i just don't love some of the decisions they're making sometimes and that's fair i think yeah i mean there's certain films that i would i would love um 100 and i i want them some of them even fox didn't put out on blu-ray and i'm not gonna there's a couple of titles i'm like i even when i was at fox i was like can we please do this on blu-ray it's like i know <laughs> and they're just like no and i'm like but why and i'll like and i'll be like you know oh look right. someone mentioned it on it wasn't me but like someone's like tweeting about it someone's this and this is when blu-ray was really still a thing and um it's like no, and I'm like they wouldn't tell me why. Um, and I know that there's an HD transfer, and it's just like, I'm just <laughs> right. like and now and now I'm just like, I'm still like in terms of filling in my collection and my curated collection. There's like just two movies I want on Blu-ray, and I'll be happy. I do want more on 4K, obviously, but like in terms yeah. of just like some old classics, I'm like, put it on Blu-ray, someone, damn it, you know, like it's <laughs> right. just like if they right. won't do it. So and I worked well, there, that- and I was like. That's you where know. my criticism, that's where it comes from when I'm sitting here and I know that you guys have heat and it's sitting there and it's ready to go. And it's like, just give it. Why are you not giving it to us? Why are you not giving us Home Alone 2? Like, why are you not giving us the abyss? It's been six years. Those are the ones that I'm like, what is the, what is the weight? And that's why yeah. I get frustrated. And well, Home, I mean, Home Alone 2 is having an out of, what year is this? I think 92 was... Was it 93 Home Alone 2? I think it was 92. Uh, so if they wanted to do a 30th anniversary release, I think it was two years after the first one. So 2020 was Home Alone. Yeah, so maybe maybe Disney, will closer to Christmas, will give us Home Alone 2 in 4K. Home Alone um, 2 was 92. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Christmas night. I remember seeing that movie. Yep. Um, <laughs> that was the year I was born. Yep. 
92 was it 92 was a good year for movies that was i remember because um, i used to have we used to go to a movie theater for my birthdays and they'd give you a card and it would say what what the highest grossing movie of you know like 1992 was i think it might have been home alone too because i always remember that's 92 yeah based it was on my a birthday it was a great year that way it was like in terms of i think i remember i was 12 but i just remember like cinema culture exploding i think just on all different fronts we had batman returns there was I remember everyone making a big deal about um, Sigourney Weaver's shaved head in Alien Three. I remember the I remember the Whitney the Bodyguard soundtrack was just on yeah. loop everywhere you went. Ninety two. Uh, that was just uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula came out, and there was just mm. horror. That Dracula stuff was everywhere in the stores. A board game, and I was twelve. I just remember these iconic movies in ninety two were just like in terms of branding, like you know, Catwoman was everywhere, and then I remember the Home Alone two merch coming out around Christmas, t shirts yeah. and backpacks and. That was in Australia, so got you know, um, good times, good times. It was good. It was. good well, was, you were born. You were just a baby, I was, but I, I it was, was a 12. great time because I was born. I was tw- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little did I know when I was uh, in Australia swapping Batman Returns cards. <laughs> baby Jeff came into the world. I was, <laughs> I was over here in Boston being born. That yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, cool, man. Well, should we cap it off so give everyone their their, their lives back? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> If they've listened this long, I mean, they're probably like us. How much of a life do they have? This is what the, this is life. But hey, I appreciate all of you stuck around for an hour and 38 minutes. We're on right now. My so God. This will, well, this will be a good one for a car ride. You guys driving <laughs> in the summer, taking a vacation, road trip. Two car this, rides. Yeah. Th- this yeah. is the one for the road trip. <laughs> yeah. And if you uh, review your, your data and it looks like people listened, I'll, I'll come back on in a year or something and we can see Definitely. where we're at, you know, but um, it's yeah. been great. I really appreciate you having me on and I'm grateful for everyone who tuned in and um, supporting the industry. Thank you. Yeah, no, same here. Thank you to, to you for taking the time and taking a huge chunk of your, your day to do this and uh, much appreciated and lots of good insight and conversation. So I have a feeling people have enjoyed this episode and we'll, we'll definitely have you back. So um, I'll put all the links in the description that I mentioned. So we'll put your, uh, you want me to put your Twitter yeah. handle down there if people want to follow along? Put my Twitter, yep, Twitter, Instagram, whatever Instagram. you want to do. Yeah, okay. um, yeah, all's good. Cool. So yeah, you can check uh, all Adam's stuff out. It'll be in the description of YouTube. If you're on, if you're on Spotify or Apple, if you're on the audio version, it'll be in the the episode uh, details and description. But all the links will be there. So follow along and uh, check out his articles at the Academy and everywhere else that he's writing, and uh, just support what he's doing because he's doing good work for physical. So I love it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you, everyone. So that was our interview with Adam Yeen. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know it went on for a long time. This is probably our longest interview, but I just love talking to Adam and he has so much knowledge about the industry and he's he's worked. He's been there. He's been handling upfront 4K and Blu-ray titles. So, you know, other than people who've done restorations, he's probably the closest person I've ever got to, you know, someone who's actually pushing these titles out into the market with what his job was. I mean, he was title manager, essentially product manager for all of these great Fox 4K and Blu-ray titles for several years. So super interesting conversation. I'll definitely have to have him back and talk some more about his time at Fox and you know what he's been up to in the years since. But hope you guys enjoyed that. If you want more from the podcast, make sure you're following along or you subscribe to us on YouTube where you can watch the video version and all my social media links and links to Adam's social media and websites will be down in the description. So make sure you check those out. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Stay safe out there and I'll talk to you soon. 
coming soon. Be sure to subscribe to the Films at Home podcast using your favorite app so you don't miss another episode. And while you're there, don't forget to rate and review this podcast, which helps us out tremendously. You can also help support us by watching our short-form content over on YouTube and TikTok by searching Films at Home. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at films underscore at underscore home. The intro and outro were created by Elon Osborne. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.